0: Hey, book club besties. Don't forget to vote for Battle of the Tropes. You can vote by donating $1 to our Buy Me a Coffee platform in order to help support our podcast. For next month's episodes, we are gonna be voting between stalker romance and vampire romance. So we got a little bit of paranormal, a little bit of dark romance. Ooh, maybe I can even get Kelsey to finally read a dark romance. Bring her to the dark side. Anywho, so go ahead and click the link down below and have a chance to vote while also supporting our podcast. In addition, we have our different membership tiers, which all include a free vote for Battle of the Tropes each month and exclusive discounts to some of our favorite Book of Shops like the Bright Side Candles, and another fun one that we're going to be announcing next episode so make sure you're signed up so you can get first access to that discount code when it is available some of the higher up tiers you'll also be getting sneak peeks teasers and early access to advanced reader copies so if you want to participate in battle of the tropes and help support our podcast which we appreciate so so much go ahead and click the link down below Another way you can support us is by reviewing this podcast wherever you listen and share with your friends. If you share on Instagram, please tag me. I'd love to see it. And on to the episode. I'm ready? That, that reminds me of like last week when I wasn't like doing great. I was like, you know, I just want to sleep all day because my so that way my like brain isn't working. But then I also can't sleep all day because I have to write. And if I sleep all day. Then I'll also then I won't sleep at night. So I was talking to Gabby and I was like, so I think I'm just gonna like nap, get up, write, nap, and just like every three hours take go to sleep and every three hours like wake up and write. And Gabby's like, you know, that kind of sounds genius, but also at the same time is avoiding all your problems. (laughs) Yes. Accurate. Hello and welcome to the HA Book Club. I'm Summer O'Toole. I'm a romance author. With me is my best friend and co host, Kelsey. What's up? And today we're doing things a little different. We're going to be talking about my journey. We're gonna, we're, yeah, we're going to be talking about the, the challenge I have given myself to write a book in a month. And what's actually cool is that. I posted on my Instagram stories and was like hey do you guys have any questions on like how why I'm doing this and my friend responded she's like oh my god you totally got this like I wrote two novellas in a month last month and she sent me her tips and tricks which is really cool because they're the complete opposite of mine so I just think it's gonna be fun to talk about like how people work because I kept remembering how I think it was Elizabeth Stevens she says that she writes like in the afternoon or the evening with the office playing in the background. And I'm like the absolute opposite. Like I get up early in the morning, I go to the coffee shop. Like I have to have either silence or like my book specific playlist. Like <laughs> Yeah, okay, let's get into it. Weekly hops. Well, my weekly hop this week is that I found myself a new book boyfriend slash book husband. Ooh, committed. Committed. I mean, like, they're going to get married in the book. Like, that's essentially where the prologue, wrong, epilogue, led to. So I was like, I mean, he's marriage material. I saw that from the beginning. Anyways, the book was Made of Dishonor by Gracie Ruth Mitchell, and his name's Carter, is the main character of the book, who I'm one day going to marry in my mind. So that's my weekly congrats. Hat. What were his <laughs> selling points? Mm-hmm he was best friends with this girl like literally like the best of best friends realized that he could not picture having a different best friend in his entire life noticed everything about her like knows exactly how he would woo her if wooing ever came about because like, obviously they started as friends in this situation like he's like she has three different categories of tears like level one level two level three like he just notices everything and like knows exactly what she needs whenever she's experiencing whatever and it was just like so much attention to detail and so much fun that they had in their relationship it was like one of the only actual humans that i've read recently that i would actually want to marry because it's always like okay i would read like i would marry that say like i would marry that winged creature like like no this is a human that i'm that i've set my sights mm-hmm. on maybe making it a little bit more realistic compared to my, you know, my half-fae and my my angels and dragon shifters and whatever else decides to pique my interest that week. (laughs) (laughs) And people say romance books create unrealistic expectations. You found a human you would marry. I know, right? Wild. (laughs) So my weekly hot is, like, at this point, like, the joke has, you know... The joke has been killed. It's been ran over. It's been like cremated, buried six feet under. But I'm going to talk about the as of foresight just one more time. I should start keeping count. I really, but should. this is going to be the last time until October. Okay, well, so see. we'll see. The authors yesterday launched their Kickstarter for special editions of the first three books which is the Lord's books and let me tell you they're going to be gorgeous rose gold edges foiling they're having a bunch of different like swag and stuff I had a huge panic moment because they reached their goal in three minutes and they sold out of the tier I wanted in just as much time so I had a panic moment that I wasn't gonna be able to get the tier with the books. But I was able to figure something out. But anyway, the Kickstarter is still going on. So I'll also link that down below if you guys are interested. If you have taken my suggestion and read the books, you're going to want this Kickstarter special edition. Only um, summer's 500 suggestions about this particular book. <laughs> at this point, there's probably more people who like are not going to read it out of spite than people who are going to read it because of my recommendation. <laughs> but I anyway, am. Nevertheless. Nevertheless. Also, they keep talking about this, like, exclusive artwork and, like, artwork that's going to be on the inside of the book. And if it's not spicy, I probably will cry. But it's going to be great either way. But I think I might get some not-safe-for-work art. And we all know how I'm also obsessed with that. You really are. In a great way. I think we should not allow somebody that has severe OCD to... Have a podcast because then we just end up talking about the same things over and over again. <laughs> I don't know. I think we have enough variety. Yeah. I just happen to bring up the roles of Forsyth and spicy artwork addiction every episode. I mean, it's part of what makes you you.
1: So... It's my quirk.
0: I'm just a quirky girl. <laughs> you just a quirky girl? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we talk about a pet peeve. <laughs> <laughs> okay let's talk about my other quirky idea to write a book in a month murder me summer murder me please do not <laughs> quirky girl you cannot call yourself a quirky girl <laughs> summer tell me about your brilliant but daring idea to write a book in a month so for people who don't know or haven't published, there is a bunch of different steps of the insight from Summer 101. In order to publish a book, there's a lot of different steps. Uh, <laughs> we're we're but, building off of it. You got to get, yeah. you know, you got to get like the base level and then you go from there. Yes, the exactly. base level. Lots of different steps. Lots you know, of different that. steps. One of the things is writing those books, but then the other is getting it edited. And I have usually like three rounds of editing? No, four. So usually I finish a manuscript and I send it to my beta readers. I usually have two to four beta readers per book. And that's when I do a fairly large rewrite, usually adding scenes, changing the ending, things like that. Then it goes to my editor who does line editing, copy editing. So that's grammatical things, commas, which Lord knows, I have no idea how to use. I don't know who knows how to use commas. Like, we went through the same educational system and it was a good one. But like, I still don't know how to use a comma. I just know when it's wrong, which is about every time that I use it. Like, I can look at it and be like, oh, I just split a sentence in half. Like, my mom used to yell at me about that, but I don't know how to put it in the right spot because it looks like it belongs there. Also, the, like, Comma, but or but, comma, I never know which one because they say the comma is for a pause, yeah. And I feel like it should be but pause, but usually I think the comma goes before the but, which is just weird. So it's like the other day I was eating, (gasps) but I then decided to make a salad. I don't know, you put me on the spot, but like that's how it's supposed to work with the pause there, and you even naturally put a pause after the but. Even though that wasn't in the example. Oh, you're See? right. See, nothing makes sense. No. It's like colonel. And the fact that it's spelled colonel. I just pictured a kernel of corn when you said no. that. No, ma'am. Mm. And how, like, British people put an F in lieutenant. I'm sorry, what? Wait, I'm sorry, where? Like think British people. Yep, British Isn't... people. But, like, I know where they're from, but, like, where, where in the word? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lieutenant. What? I know. It's I'm weird. uncomfortable. <laughs> I know. And it's not even like it's a TH and they're, you know, doing a little V, v- or f- for the TH. Like, I don't even mind the E's for the A's or the, the U's that they add in. That doesn't throw me. Those are fine. No biggie. But an F? Yeah. I'm really gonna have to pop that. Yeah, it's weird. Also, what I've been pondering recently, just as like a slight tangent, okay? If you're a vampire. Oh my god. <laughs> what? Talk about a tangent. It's a full tangent, okay? But if you're a vampire and you like sucking blood and you like drinking blood and you go to brush your teeth, but you brush your teeth too hard and then you make your gums bleed, do you and then enjoy that? I guess it would depend on how strong your toothpaste is. Oh, that's a valid point. Oh, but also do vampires bleed? I don't know. I've been thinking about it. I don't know. They didn't bleed in Twilight. I feel like in the vampire Diaries they might bleed. Or did they bleed in Twilight? In like some of the fight scenes? When they like tear their bodies apart? I mean, like obviously something's there because Edward Cullen obviously had a boner at some point. (laughs) This is... <laughs> I mean, tell me I'm wrong, though. They all were always fucking like rabbits. It was just behind the scenes. So clearly something biological was Well, she also got pregnant, so. Yeah, but what, is she going to get pregnant from a flaccid peen? No, that's what I'm saying. Like, they weren't just fucking like rabbits. She also got impregnated. Yes, yes, yes. That was again like, the whole family. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, we can backtrack, but... Girl, it's been on my mind. Yeah. Well, dear listeners, please write in. You have the answers. Let us know. If you're a vampire and have the answers, personal experience, even better. We're just, we're curious. We won't rat you out. What were we talking about? Grammar. Oh, right. Okay. So after beta reading... I get feedback from my beta readers and they give feedback on overall structure. Are there plot holes? Does a character seem, you know, annoying, different things like that. And then usually there's some sort of rewrite or additional scenes added to clarify some things like in Stolen Secrets. I added, I think it's called like a whiteboard scene, which there was a no whiteboard because whiteboards didn't exist at the time, but it's in like a heist or a crime Show when you know they all gather around the table and they map out what the plan is. So I added one of those scenes because my beta reader was like, Literally, why are they doing any of this? And the beta readers are like so, so important. I'm so grateful for all of mine because when you are writing a story, you know the story and the character so intimately that sometimes you leave things out because it's obvious to you because it's all in your own head. And then from an outside perspective, when somebody doesn't have any new information, or any previous information about the story or the characters, they can be like, yo, there's a huge gap here. So after that it goes to my copy editor who does two rounds and she's fixing small grammatical changes. And then after that, it goes to a proofreader who is like the last set of eyes. And you always want your proofreader and your copy editor to be different people for the sake of, you know, a new set of eyes. So once we have all those people that have edited it and looked at it it goes to my formatter who's the one who like puts it into a pretty readable format that's not just a word document and that's what ends up being uploaded to kindle for your ebook and for the paperback. So all those things have to happen and all those people have to touch it and all these people you have to schedule with them and usually it can be anywhere from like a month to six months out. So it's really helpful to schedule yourself way in advance. So May of this year, I scheduled three different sets of editing, formatting, proofreading, et cetera. And that's kind of given me my timeline for publishing for this year. I had planned to do a sort of like box set omnibus of the Taken series, where I was going to add a holiday novella, which is going to be, I think, like 10 or 12 years in the future from when Stolen Secrets ends. So all like the kids are kind of grown up or like kids, teenagers. I was going to have all three different couples. And then I also wrote a bunch of different bonus scenes to add into the books that have already been written, Stolen at Sea, Stolen to Fight, and Stolen Secrets. And a lot of these were bonus scenes from the male's perspective. So I had a lot of fun with that. I was excited about it. Um, It kind of was dragging just in terms of like the writing process because everything was really truncated. Like I'd write a bonus scene for Stolen to Fight. And then I'd write a scene for Stolen at Sea. And then I would add like an extra epilogue for another book. And it was just, there's a lot of different moving parts and... I'm somebody who needs to like work in like chronological order and like flow with a story. So my inspiration was kind of getting, kind of getting chopped up and I wasn't so sure I like loved the quality of it either, but I had a September 2nd deadline with my editor. And before I started publishing, I always thought it was interesting when people were talking about like authors talking about them, when authors would talk about being on a deadline or having a deadline. And I was like, girl, you write your own deadlines, like you set your own stuff, like, what are you talking about? But I come to know, obviously, that, you know, you're booking these appointments far in advance, and you want to respect your editor's timeline and their time, and you don't want to cancel or move back, because that's going to affect all their other clients, etc. So that was my timeline, (laughs) my September 2nd timeline. And all these things also have to happen in that order because the proofreader obviously can't read it until the editor has done it and the formatter can't format it until the manuscript has been complete and edited in all the different phases and then the cover designer can make the cover but then has to do the final change to the paperback wrap which is like the full front and back based off of how many pages it ends up being once it's formatted because that affects the width of the spine. So there's a lot of moving parts that have a lot of different people's hands in the pot and you want to be respectful of everybody's different timelines because everybody's a freelancer or doing contract work. So, you know, you're not, you're not their only client, basically. So a series of events and some conversations with some of my other friends in like the book space made me realize that it probably would be a better idea both creatively for like where my inspiration was at at the time and business-wise to publish my Mafia series instead of adding a continuation onto the Taken series and I say Mafia it's a crime syndicate it's not Italian Mafia gotta make that clear and this was something I'd planned for next year but it was you know it was just in my head I couldn't get it out and I was trying to keep quieting it and shoving it to the back of my brain so I could work on this box set and eventually I was just like, you know what? I have a month until it's due to my editor. Like, I think I can do it. Let's just do it. So that's how we got here. <laughs> and this is how Summer likes to challenge herself. But yes. I mean, imagine how painful it would be if you were writing something that was making you creatively distraught right now. You know, like if you were still writing what you had originally decided on, which was the taken continuation, like you were struggling with that, which is fair because that's a lot, you know, like, like it's really, it's fair in the sense of like me as an artist, like if I get stuck on something, it's so much better to put it down, put it to the side and take whatever inspiration is currently flowing through my body and put it into whatever work that's going to be versus trying to redirect and as you say have something in the back of your mind but trying to like give quid quality work to whatever your original project was mm-hmm. it's definitely yeah. i mean like that's not only in writing and art in a variety of different tasks that we do in life absolutely and that was actually one of my my tips or something i'm trying to do is you know really ride those waves of inspiration and don't force it when it's not coming there's a certain level of discipline that you have to have in order to like sit down and write every day and even if you don't feel like it or even if you don't have any ideas just like starting to try to put words down but there're some days where you know it's really dragging and i just have to step away and be like okay if i if i'm going to write anything right now it's going to be crap and it's not going to be quality and i'm going to be overthinking it so i could just wait until tomorrow Put it down and then, you know, hope and pray that I'm going to have a new wave of inspiration and it's really going to flow. And that's when your best quality work is. So giving yourself, ideally, time so you can <laughs> ride those waves <laughs> is, you know, one of the things I would recommend. I said, any questions about how I'm writing a book in a month? And they're like, do you want to be cremated or Would you rather be cremated or would you rather be buried? I'm dying to know <laughs> now. I do want to be cremated, but hopefully this book won't kill me because I do have more planned in the series. Give your quick and dirty tips. So one of them is trust the process. Like sometimes if you have a writer's block, you think like I'm literally never going to write again. Like there is no way anything of like value and creativity is going to come from my brain. Like I've used it all up. Take a breath. Step away. Trust the process. It will come. Don't reread right away, at least for me. I know some people like to reread right away. Some people like to edit as they go. I'm a big fan of just like writing it, walking away, maybe like read over it just to read over it. But don't overanalyze it too quickly because sometimes you need a little bit of time between what you wrote and when you read it to be able to appreciate it like sometimes I will write something and I'll be like, this is absolute crap. And then four days later, when I reread it, I'm like, oh, that wasn't too bad. So if you're not constantly rereading, if that's something that you have a tendency to, like, judge your writing, if you're not constantly rereading, you're able to stay more motivated because, you know, you think you're doing a good job instead of thinking it's all crap. My other tip is take a break on reading things. And again, these are Like the writing process, any creative process is going to be so individual. So take what works, leave what doesn't. And one of the things I'm trying to do is take a break on reading books that are too similar to my genre. I know a lot of other authors will also do this because they don't want to be subconsciously influenced. But I've also found that in this like crunch time when I'm being hypercritical because I'm worried about the quality I'm producing in such a fast amount of time is not reading books that are too similar, but also that are really good because I'm constantly like, comparing my work to it. And I'm being like, oh, like I could never think of this. Or this is so good. Like I, my book's not even gonna compare. So I honestly haven't really been reading that much this this month. And the books I have read have been like that rom-com. I've started like five different books. so. You know, taking a step step away from anything that's giving you comparisonitis or making you feel like you're not measuring up. And then my final tip, this one kind of surprised me, but when I thought back, like what has been helping me stay focused is if you are somebody who has a tendency to binge shows and get like addicted, stop watching your bingeable shows. Before this month, I was watching a lot of Blacklist and Good Girls. And those shows, you know, once one episode ends, you want to watch another. And then you just blow through six hours. So instead, I've been re-watching The Office. Like, I watch it while I eat lunch. I watch it a little bit in the evening. But it's really easy to just watch, like, five minutes or 20-minute spurts, even longer sometimes. But it's not something that I can't pull myself away from. That's a really good point. Because it's easy when you're in a challenging situation to allow yourself to get sucked in. To any kind of distraction. And then you can, like, really, I don't know, it's almost like you're reasoning with yourself, like, well, well, just one more episode. Like, you have to know it happens. Like, you're going to be bothered otherwise. Mm -hmm. I do the same thing with work and books. I, like, purposely have not started a good book right now because I know that I will not put it down. And then I will lose my life and my job. Just kidding. Not my job, but it'll, like, distract me, you know, distract me to the point where it'll be a hazard to my main task in life which yeah. is feeding myself with my current income how did publishing your first book change your process of writing Ooh, heavy hitter to start I, think, I know what I saw but I'm curious about what you saw yeah I think what's been really interesting about my writing journey is that it's corresponded a lot with also getting back into reading and exploring new genres. <laughs> Dark romance. Dark romance. Call, call. <laughs> 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 so that has really changed like things that I would never even consider before, even consider to write, even consider existed out there. So my stuff has definitely gotten a lot darker. It's also gotten a lot spicier. <laughs> it's funny, it reminds me of when I first started getting on book Talk, one of the people, one of the first people I followed, they would show like teasers of their books. And it would just be like, she sucked my cock, blah, 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 pussy, blah, blah. And I remember just being like, oh my God, like, that could never be me. <laughs> being like, yes, like, sure, that stuff's like fun, but my book isn't going to just be like, sucks, Definitely not. And then you call me up and you say, guess what scene my characters just wrote for themselves? And it was pure smut. Yes. Pure smut. I cannot wait for you guys to read this book simply based off of the teasers that I've had from summer of it. And that's Mm -hmm. the best though. And I feel like this talks about your flow of writing too. Like when you're in that flow and then all of a sudden you say it all the time, like your characters are writing the story for you. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, that that seems like such a beautiful creative process compared to I'm forcing them to interact and maybe they're going and doing this and maybe, you know, that's too stilted. Like, no, your characters are writing these scenes and they are fucking... And I'm excited to read it. They... You know, Shawnee is one of my alpha readers and she was like, guys, Summer's new work in progress is so horny. (laughs) Like... The I'm probably only about halfway through the plot, and I've already hit fifty eight thousand words. Which, to give people some context, Stolen at Sea was the entire book was only fifty four thousand words, and I think Stolen Secrets was right around fifty eight thousand. And it's purely because every time I sit down to start moving the plot forward, they're finger banging, and I'm like, guys, come on, <laughs> get get them together. All uh, together, we have we have something to do here. Task. There's a serial killer out there. Like, let's figure it out. Okay, so that was like subconsciously, you know, how my writing and content has been influenced since I first published. But consciously, I have made an exerted effort to include more like dirty talk and not just smut in terms of like descriptions and like prose but what are my characters actually saying? And part of that is cause it's fun, but a big part of it is because those make such good teasers and like in terms of marketing and creating content, there's a difference between writing a paragraph and sharing a paragraph of Spice versus sharing like three like hot and dirty lines that your characters are saying to each other. Like they just hit differently. I definitely see that and when I'm on book talk I definitely respond to one better than the other mm-hmm. and considering that you are a self-published author I think that that's a super important thing that you should be considering in your writing which you are but I can just I see the importance mounting on that. Mm-hmm. You ready for my next question? Yeah but I'm curious what was what was your you were like I have ideas but you wanted to my answer what was what do you what, did you, what do you think? When it comes to the process, I think you first sat down and it just kind of like spilled out of you with your first book. And you're like, this just kind of happened. Cool. Neat. And then you had no idea without doing a lot of research as to what you were doing in terms of like beta readers. And what's the other, not a beta reader, but the one that's like Culturally sensitive and a sensitivity reader, a sensitivity reader. And then, like, these were all things that started coming up with your second book, mm-hmm. you know, besides just me writing, reading it. Like, was I not like one of your first readers? But now it's like, I don't like, no, you got people for this now, Summer. You're not st- stuck with just me <laughs> making edits. Like, no, you got like a whole team. And it's just wild to see how much it grows with each book and how. For lack of better words, like formulaic it is, now Mm -hmm. you're like fully into the flow of like this is what I do and I Mm -hmm. do it well and this is what it looks like when you do it well. Stop. You know I speak the truth. We don't lie between each other. That's not something we do. So that's what I see as the difference. Just all these different steps and learning about it with you and just the research that you put into it to learn these things as a self-published author. It's just crazy, the amount of time that you've put in. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, on lighter terms, though, what is the best money you've ever spent as a writer? And I also think I know the answer to this question. Whoever I want to know. Best money you ever spent as a writer. See, I love this because it's like I'm asking questions that I think I know the answer to, so it's yeah. almost like I'm playing like Jeopardy with my base knowledge of summer. I think business wise, or in terms of like any potential success, would be the book coaching I did in the beginning with Stolen at Sea. I had a friend who was going through a book coaching like training. So she offered to do some like free sessions with me and really taught me a ton about like actual plot and not just having a string of scenes, like Kelsey was saying, like I've learned a lot about in terms of like story structure. And she taught me a ton of stuff about, you know, building and the conflict and the resolution and all that. So I did a few like paid sessions with her after the free ones, then also paying for a cover designer who was amazing and could like bring my random ass visions to life. Um. But then in terms of, like, practicality, it would be my Remarkable tablet. Yes! Oh, I was waiting for it! (laughs) Which is the paper tablet that I use to write. And I've written all my books on it by hand first. And then I can convert to text. And then that's when I kind of, like, re-go through it. Change some of the stuff that was gibberish into actual words that didn't convert properly. And... Yeah, I absolutely love it. It doesn't have any, like, web browser, so you're not getting distracted. I'm not getting notifications. But this book I've actually only written on the computer because I don't have time to spend a week or two weeks, you know, converting it, redoing all of that. Same with beta readers. I don't know if I'm going to have beta readers this time. So I have, like, a huge team of alpha readers right now who are reading it as I go and kind of, you know picking those plot holes early so I can rework them as I go along instead of doing a big rewrite that will take another week or two after the beta reading phase. Because the beta reading phase it takes them like a week to three weeks to read the manuscript and give me the feedback back. And then we have some more time to do those rewrites. So as you can see, you know the timeline's getting condensed a lot. That tablet game changer. Yeah. And as someone who is, I don't know, in the artsy world. I love it so much because it allows you to keep your creative flow Mm -hmm. in a way that's so authentic to the way that you write. Like, don't have me write on a piece of paper or like a tablet. Like, I will lose interest. My hand will cramp up and I'll say deuces. And then I'll probably like get on Siri and do like voice to text. I don't know. (laughs) That's just more my style when it comes to these things. But for you, it was so crucial and you were so excited when you got it. I was, because I was writing everything by hand into a pen and paper notebook and mm-hmm. like breaking my neck, reading it and then typing and like, you know, bending down to read while I'm typing. So oh, I love it. Excellent investment. I'm also like evangelizing it because I write at this coffee shop every day and there's, you know, regulars that come by and there's been so many people who have like asked me about it. And I'm like, here, let me tell you all about it. And I'm like, pull up a page and I'm like, see, test it. Try this like pen tip. See how it feels like an actual pencil. And then if you do this one, it's like a calligraphy pen and it changes with the way. And they're like, cool. And I'm like, you should get it. <laughs> you even told me to get one when you got it. And I'm like, Summer, what am I going to use that for? Anything. Exactly. exactly. That's, what that's, right. what you, that's what you said. <laughs> I'll just stick with my spiral notebook that I pulled out of a trash can. Like two years ago, it's still going strong. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. (laughs) Like found it in the trash can of a classroom. And I was like, this still has workable pages. Let me just take this baby home. Literally has the student's name written across the front. Just kind of crossed it off. (laughs) Anyways, we all work differently. Yep. (laughs) Prime example. have a final question for you okay what does literary success look like to you Ooh. okay there's a few things I think of when I think like what do I want my future as an author to look like one of them is which is cliche but to continue to enjoy it I am having absolutely so much fun. Sure, there's times when it's stressful. There's times when, you know, you get bad reviews or you have writer's block and all this different stuff. But overall, like, I absolutely adore writing and I love the characters and I love, you know, these worlds that I get to create. And I just want to continue to love it. I don't want it to ever feel like, you know, something that I have to force myself to do. And like we already talked about, like I physically can't force myself to write if it's not happening. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's one of it. And then in terms of like a tangible success markers, I want to be able to support myself full time off of it. And another one that's kind of like a little less tangible, but when I think of like authors who I look up to and I respect, they have a ton of readers who will buy anything they write, like they could publish their grocery list and they would buy it. And I think that, that like specifically having a readership who is excited for anything I write and anything I publish is like a true marker of success. Absolutely. It's really cool. Ooh, another thing that isn't going to be a mandatory requirement to gauge my success by, but if somebody gets a frickin' tattoo related to my work, (laughs) I would simply pass away. Yeah, you would. Like, (laughs) can you imagine? That'd be wild. I now want to look up, like, literary tattoos for, like, some of the authors that we know. Or, like, at least that we know more intimately than, like, Harry Potter. Yeah. There's definitely – I can think of a few. I know Sophie Lark. Her logo is a lark. And I think it maybe has some, like, stars or it's kind of, like, geometric. I've seen some people who've gotten tattoos of that. There's a lot of people who get, like, Ravenhood-related tattoos with ravens. Yeah. I don't know who it is, but there's somebody on Instagram who has – I think it might be Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones, but they have a map, like, on their whole thigh of the world, which is really cool. I was told the other day that thigh tattoos mean that you're bisexual or lesbian. Like, strongly. Like, someone was like, that's a strong indicator. And I was like, interesting. Never heard that before. But now I'm wondering. I would agree with it. solely in the fact that, like, everyone's a little bi- so mm-hmm. if you have a thigh tattoo there's also a likelihood that like you're not totally straight just out of like statistics <laughs> oh just a tangent that's where my minds are at today <laughs> tangent city over here can't keep one thought straight that would be super cool though like a tag like okay so i mean even when anybody just like makes an edit of my writing shares a quote yeah At any of that it just it it's unbelievable to me Suze from Suze Reads A Lot we've had her on she talked about orcs with us she's yeah. one of my <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm just remembering those orcs and what they did in the magical semen and I just can't think about orcs without thinking about that episode and all that I learned <laughs> each time okay but Suze she was sharing like her bookshelf and there was she had like one shelf that had my books on it and like some of my stickers and stuff she's like and then there's just this whole shelf dedicated to summer and that's I love you that's so sweet it'd be wild to have anyone take your writing your art and like just repost it in any kind of capacity that's so special Talk about success. I mean, the fact that people have a physical copy of my book, even that, like, there's strangers that have my book that I wrote in their house, not just, like, on their Kindle. Like, (laughs) what? Thinking of actual square footage? Wild. Somebody asked me, how do I get editing done in time? But I think I answered that (laughs) pretty fully. I don't edit in a month. When I say I'm writing a book in a month, I literally just mean the writing part. Somebody asked, like, am I a pantser, a plotter, or, like, a little bit in between? The pantser stands... I was going to say, you got to tell me what that means. Okay, so a a pantser is flying by the seat of your pants, so you don't really plot. A plotter, obviously, is what it sounds like, and a pantser, the combo, which is where I am. That's right. I map out the main things that need to happen usually like the scene and the mechanism to accomplish that so one of the big difference to me and what I've learned writing and plotting different books is the thing that differentiates a book and a story from just a string of scenes is that those scenes are accomplishing a specific thing or they're answering a specific question Whether that's they're creating a conflict, they're solving a conflict, they're, you know, reinforcing the heroine's misconception about something, et cetera. So a lot of times I'll be like, okay, these are things I need to happen. And now what scenes can I write that will accomplish those things instead of just being like, oh, this would be cool. And a lot of times there are things I'm just like, this would be cool. (laughs) I get this in. So I will map out, you know, the things I need to happen. I've been much more detailed with this book because there's a bigger external plot. There's, you know, a serial killer that we're trying to find and having a crime that needs to be solved. <laughs> That's a lot of moving <laughs> parts. And so just like, I was kidnapped by pirates. How do I get home? <laughs> Not to diminish a kidnapping because that was, there was a lot going on there. Yeah. Yeah. At least he was hot, though, right? I mean, he was so hot. The second time around. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like to overplot, though. There are some people who will, you know, write scene by scene. You know, what are they going to say? What does the setting look like? And I tried to do that for the first book that I was like, I'm going to write this book. And it was a contemporary, sapphic hidden identity like mercenary story that maybe one day I'll get back to but I over it and then it lost the fun and like the magic of what's gonna happen and the characters deciding you know deciding where stuff is gonna go because it was more like following a rubric than following the story that was you know the characters were doing almost sounds like like i know we all have our different styles but that almost sounds like you're already writing it before you've even written it if you get like yes. too detailed and yeah. then like i feel like the flow is almost lost I'm, I'm sure it works for many people but i just see that as being a potential detriment to that particular style yes definitely it was like well i felt like i already i already wrote the book just it wasn't as fun <laughs> And I do get, you know, little like snippets or lines i will pop into my head and I'll write them down. Um, But those are more things that just like, I get ideas and I want to include it or like pieces of dialogue that I'm like, oh, that would be hot if you said that. And then I work it in, but it's different than like sitting down and doing it bullet point by bullet point. Which brings me to Pam's tips. So, Pamela Belliston is a new self published author as well. She has been one of my book talk friends for a while and she just published her first book, Lackluster. It's a duet. We're going to have her and her friend on in the future. They just started a monster romance book box company, which I'm really excited about. But I asked her, she was the friend who said that she wrote two novellas last month. And it was like, you got this. So I was like, send me your tips. And I'm so glad I asked because her process is so different than mine that it's like, it's just a really fun comparison. So some of the main things she talked about was being like really regimented and strict. So she will, so she, we kind of do the same thing about doing like a simple outline where we kind of map out where we want the story to go. But that's kind of where it ends. (laughs) After that, she sets a strict word goal for herself. So she would decide, you know, how long she wants her novellas to be or her book to be. And then break down that number of words into daily writing sprints. And she would block out a certain time in her day because she also is a mom with two young kids. So her schedule can get kind of crazy. So she would block out like certain points of the day where she's like, okay, I know I can write now or write during this time. Like I'll take care of other stuff, so that won't be on my mind, and I'll be able to just sit down and write. And she does like sprints, and she has different accountability groups and friends who so she she'll do writing sprints with. And as we talked about, me is like some days I'm sprinting, some days I'm like crawling, and I'm not very regimented about word count, mostly because. I had no idea how to figure out how I wanted it. Like, I knew I wanted it to be longer than my other books. And I kind of just assumed based off of the plot and how much was going to be included that it was going to be longer. But because I never know what my characters are going to do or if they're going to spend, you know, 5,000 words making out, (laughs) if they're going to lead to 5,000 words of smut instead of actual plot development, a word count for me just would be a random arbitrary goal so instead i'm like trying to map out i'll be like okay i'll try to finish a chapter today or i'll try to get the character from point a to point b today i also you know write sporadically throughout the day i write every morning pretty much regardless of anything that's going on but then my other writing times throughout the day vary she also you know, mentioned how it's important to have days off, which she builds in to her schedule and, like, how she divides up her word count, whereas I build in breaks when my brain is no longer functioning. And I think, you know, some of those things are going to really resonate with some people, and some people are going to look at me and be like, you're a mess. Like, she's doing it right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do love the idea of sprints. There's actually this, like, online community called Cave Day that I used to do a lot, but I kind of forgot about it, and it's basically Zooms that you can sign up for where it's a bunch of people from around the world who are doing, like, remote work, and it's just for, like, accountability to be, like, okay, for 50 minutes, I'm going to work on this one thing, and... I'll include a link below if anybody's interested. It's really awesome for people who are doing remote work and have a tendency to get distracted by Instagram or TikTok or anything else that's (laughs) going to distract you. So I did some of that this week and that was definitely helpful. It definitely seems like, like I'm glad that you got those tips written down because it shows just the variety of what can happen and how we all get into creative flows or forced creative flows in different ways. Hmm. like I'm sure you can train yourself for some people like she did to like have that creative flow and like save up all that creative juice for X amount of time per day for those sprints but for mm-hmm. other people it'd be like nah you told me to do something and now I'm not gonna do it so cool to look at all the different processes that occur for people you yeah. know like the fact that somebody can watch a show while they're writing yeah absolutely oh, not Hard pass hard pass no for me. Yeah, it's a hard pass for me. I can barely even, at times, listen to music while doing certain things. Because I'll start typing whatever I'm hearing in the music, or I'm really good at visualizing whatever is happening in the music. Mm-hmm. So then I'm lost in my brain, and then I'm like, oh, I was supposed to be doing something. Whoops. My bad, now I'm just staring out into space. That reminds me of my other tip I didn't mention, is my playlists. Uh, my playlists are like the lifeblood of my story because they're usually what starts inspiring the early snippets and like the little drops of my stories and scenes that I get or like I'll hear songs and I'll picture a scene that goes with it. So my tip is to create a book playlist and like add to it as you go, but also just listen to it all the time. Like anytime I get in my car and I'm driving, I listen to it. Sometimes if I get like stuck, I'll go for a run and listen to it. And especially for those like more like action-packed songs, you know, that are going to be to like a fight scene or something. It can help to get in the, get in the vibe of like running really hard because I'm out of shape. (laughs) How do you not get bored of your playlist? Because I'm the person I can listen to the same song on repeat. Again, 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 again. That's a solid reason. Yeah. Like when I had, you know, my boombox in middle school, I listened to Defying Gravity for two weeks straight, just on repeat, the CD on repeat from Wicked. Same with Tracy Chapman's album. She had like these three songs in a row that I really liked that I just put on repeat. Yeah, my boombox was pretty advanced. could set like a cue and repeat it on cue. That sounds pretty advanced. I know my sister had one that like she could time it so it would go off at a certain time in the morning. So like her alarm would go off and then like three minutes later, her boombox would go off. And I was like, what sorcery is this? Also, she never turned off her alarm and then she would constantly just snooze it. So sorcery that didn't work. But man, down the hall, me, I was jamming absolutely jamming um, yeah if there's one thing I could change about me and Gabby's relationship it would be to have more similar taste in music and also to have more ability for her to listen to the same song on repeat forever and not get sick of it next week I don't know what we're talking about <laughs> on par <laughs> <laughs> On par for our current life <laughs> circumstances. Yeah. It's we are you know just rolling with the punches. kelsey thanks for being my best friend. Listeners, thanks for listening to me and your earballs. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we, I, we need to go. <laughs> we need to wrap this up. If we start bringing up earballs, we probably should. We should cut this out. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so we'll see y'all in the next. It's going to be an adventure, whatever it is, just like this one was. Although very informative adventure, might I add, Summer. Thank you. I am excited about doing, I did a little poll on my Instagram stories a few weeks ago, asking, like, are people interested in the self-publishing writing process? And a lot of people were like, hell yeah. So if you guys have more things you want me to talk about, I also do want to, you know, ask questions to more Seasoned successful authors, as well, because you know you can go along this newbie journey with me, but also take my advice with a grain of salt because I'm still very much learning. So, DM me on Instagram if you guys have any things you want to know. Other than that, if you enjoyed this podcast, please review it on whatever streaming platform you're using. It really is the best way for us to reach new earballs. Earballs, yeah. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye everybody. Toodles. Toodles.